This is Bart Peterson, and you are listening to Across the Board on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to Across the Board, the podcast that focuses on boards of directors, corporate governance, and management of strategic risk. Today, I have with me Andrea Bonimi-Blanc. She is well-known within the compliance world and the greater GRC world. We talk about her new role on the advisory board of the CRISP Thinking Group. We talk about why compliance has a role on advisory boards and her specific role at the CRISP Thinking Group. We also visit about her new book, Gloom to Boom, which is extraordinarily prescient in the era of coronavirus. I know you'll enjoy this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with me Ben Colton and is the global co-head of Asset Stewardship at State Street Global Advisors. And they have issued a great report entitled Proxy Season Review. And he is here to visit with us about that. So, Ben, first of all, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, uh, thank you and take uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to, 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 to join. So, Ben, could you maybe start with a little bit of background into the proxy season review? What's it used for and uh, how do you guys develop it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, first of all, we truly believe that, you know, disclosure is an essential component uh, for ensuring accountability. So we are accountable for, for reporting on our activities to our clients and other stakeholders in the similar way which we expect our portfolio companies to disclose information to us as shareholders. Um, the proxy season review is really used to demonstrate the impact of our stewardship activities, um, and it focuses particularly on the 2020 proxy voting season, in which we just um, endured. So in the report, you'll find uh, information about our voting activities, insights from our engagement with portfolio companies. Um, this is usually in the context of our thematic and sector priorities. And we'll also touch touch a little bit on ESG-related trends as well. So in, in tandem with this report, we also published our inaugural um, annual, uh, the, the first uh, annual climate stewardship review. So as we, consider, we, as we continue to consider financially material risks uh, from a climate r- perspective, um, we're committed to providing additional transparency into how we're approaching issues related to climate change. So the climate stewardship report is really intended to be a Um, an integral part of our reporting cycles, and we intend to do this on an annual basis going forward. So so that's another interesting report that that the listeners can can refer to. And SSGA has been working with uh, companies since at least March on issues related to stewardship engagement. And I was wondering if you could review some of the key points either you raised or or SSGA found. Yeah. So in, in early April, we wrote a letter to companies expressing that as long-term shareholders, we're really committed to standing behind our investee companies. So we, we knew that in light of COVID-19, that the priorities in the boardroom had shifted, and we wanted to understand how companies were navigating these short-term challenges created by the crisis, but also ensuring that it wasn't at the expense of, of long-term prospects, because we focus on long-term issues from an ESG perspective, and we want to understand how companies are balancing uh, the short-term considerations um, and the long-term considerations. So, so striking an appropriate balance is, is absolutely paramount for us. Uh, front and center in these discussions have been, obviously, capital allocation, financial stability, and liquidity. Um, companies needed to survive the crisis, but also systemic risk management. Um, and this wasn't just from a financial spe- perspective. This is also systemic risk management from a non-financial perspective as well. We'll touch on that a little bit later um, and, and when we think about 
um, systemic risks more generally. Um, also, business continuity and resilience. Um, we saw that companies that, that already had a framework for thinking about business continuity had, had plans in place, although they're very different in practice with the pandemic than they were um, for, for example, you know, having a remote working location that, that wasn't necessarily the business continuity plan that were, was enacted during the pandemic. But uh, boards that were thinking about these issues um, were, were, were much more proactive at, at developing game plans in light of the pandemic and articulating that to shareholders, where companies that didn't necessarily have that as part of the regular discussion were, were really caught flat-footed. Um, so succession planning was also something that um, we touched on more deeply. It's something that we've been engaging with on, an, on a regular basis. But, um, you know, the pandemic has highlighted that our company is really equipped to, to deal with multiple absences um, and, and many different levels of the organization. So that, that also was something that came to light. Um, another thing, you know, the, but, but very first and foremost, um, social issues have risen to the top of the agenda. And I have not been in an engagement with a company or a chairman um, or, or a director that is, has, has, has said that you know, social issues aren't something that they think about at the board level because absolutely every board is thinking about social issues. They're thinking about human capital management. They're thinking about their approach, not only their workers, but also stakeholders more generally. So health and safety issues, for example, diversity inclusion issues, um, how we're, we're interested to see how the companies, how they're adjusting their approaches toward human capital management and how those will affect um, changes in, in, in employee engagement in the future as well. For example, how are companies thinking about corporate culture in a work from home environment? How are they perpetuating the culture? How are they onboarding employees? Um, these are the issues that, w- that we really were interested in talking with boards about. Uh, ben, did you find that, uh, particularly around human capital management, that companies were s- either suited or well-suited to pivot on the risks as they change? You mentioned working from home and succession planning as, as two of those risks, but uh, were companies really able to think through that on a, on a very quick basis? Yeah, you know, it depended on it depended by companies. We thought that there were some companies that had a really robust approach to human capital management and pivoting. Um, There's some that that well, were a little bit more slower to react. So um, certainly, we did see a difference between the companies which we were engaging with. Um, you know, but but absolutely, uh, it was at the top of of the agenda for us as a shareholder to understand um, how the, how these shifts were happening, but also, um, companies, it was, it was front and center. And we, we expect a lot more disclosure on how companies are, are addressing human capital management issues. And I really think that there will be, um, not, not just in human capital management, but more specifically in diversity inclusion. We think that there'll be a a revolution in, in, uh, the level of disclosure around these issues, um, going forward as well. I would, would have phrased it as communicate to the stakeholders, uh, you, um, is, is, that's something that companies are, or you or guys are encouraging companies to really uh, communicate, not simply the impact of COVID-19 and coronavirus around these issues, but also more, greater transparency in these issues. Yeah, no, we because we, we, we want disclosure and we want to understand how companies are adjusting um, not only the business strategies, how they're, how they're integrating this into their long-term thinking um, the SEC also was was quick to react with with disclosure requirement or with, with disclosure recommendations um, for for companies to consider. So uh, we port towards that, thinking about how 
um, you know, COVID-19 has shifted long-term strategy. Um, also, you know, from a stewardship perspective, we're interested in how they're framing it um, from an ESG, uh, how they're integrating these ESG issues into their long-term thinking. In terms of engagement with uh, companies around social issues, have you seen a movement from really reactive at the board level to more proactive, almost risk management tactics or strategies, or are boards simply uh, sitting back and waiting to see what happens? Yeah, no, it's certainly been a bit a more proactive approach. Um, so, so companies are, are, and also not thinking about this from a risk management perspective, but also thinking about this from an opportunistic perspective. How can we refine our approaches to human capital management and social issues? How do we pivot our strategy if necessary um, to capitalize on, um, on new opportunities, for example? Or how do we um, mitigate against the risks uh, specifically that the pandemic have highlighted? So we've really seen an acceleration as well in trends that were already in place. Um, a lot of these trends towards um, you know, digitization or um, social media, for example, in terms of them from an advertising perspective, um, talking about more progressive work from home environment uh, or work from home situations or, or um, different approaches to human capital management. We've seen that the, the pandemic has really accelerated those trends and, and companies are, are taking a proactive approach um, to, to integrating them into their, into their practices and across their organizations. And one of my observations about the age of coronavirus and the pandemic has been exactly what you just said, an acceleration of trends that may have been percolating along in 2018 or 2019. Um, is it surprising to see a board level, really the top level of oversight of a company, uh, be able to uh, to deal with that type of exponentially increased change? Yeah, we, what we expect from boards is to be able to um, oversee material risks to the business. Um, so when we're talking to a company, uh, to a director, to to executive management team, we're, we're talking about material risks and opportunities to the business, financially material risks and opportunities. Um, so, so when you think about um, their approach to human capital management, or if you think about issues um, related to climate change, for example, these are material risks. And we, we expect that directors have oversight of material risks, especially ones, um, you know, we are long-term shareholders. We're going to be holding a company for um, as long as they're included in the index. Um, so, so we're really interested to understand how they're not, not only managing these short-term issues, but also these long-term issues and thinking about them um, from a systemic risk perspective and integrating that into their long-term strategies. So even though there are been, you know, maybe you say that there's been an increased expectation on directors, but if there's, there's more, um, you know, material risks that, that are being identified to the business, um, we want boards to have oversight of that. And that might mean that they need to commit more time to, to boards. Um, when you think about overboarding issues or time commitment, um, you know, if you are a, a, a named executive officer um, and also maybe the chairman of, of, of the board in which you're sitting on, do you have enough time, especially in, the t- in, in a pandemic or crisis, to, to also sit on three other boards? You know, probably not. We want um, directors to dedicate enough time um, so they can address, you, address all of the material issues appropriately. And does this put more pressure on independent directors, or is it uniform, more uniform across all directors? Yeah, no, I think I think there's there is an increase in expectation on independent directors, um, and also you know we want boards to have um, you know, independent directors that are that are challenging managed that are that are that are um, participating in in um, thinking about issues uh, and deliberating issues, uh, long term issues. 
um, from a sustainability perspective. So um, we don't just want one climate, you know, specific director that's on the board um, or one that's got, you know, core climate competencies. We want really a climate fluent board that, 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 that all directors um, are thinking about these issues in the context of long-term strategy and really deliberating them. And so when you think about diversity inclusion issues, um, we recently published a letter on our expectation for companies um, and also boards to have oversight of these issues. Diversity inclusion issues um, are very broad, um, even the, you know, um, and there are many different risks that, that impact a company from a diversity inclusion standpoint. So the board should be thinking about these issues. Um, and we're trying to get more disclosure on, on the governance around these issues and, and also um, more information more generally around um, data and goals and strategies related to diversity, inclusion, and human capital management. What's been uh, State Street Global's um, experience around COVID-19 or the pandemic in heightening a focus on climate change? Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's a really interesting question. The, as we mentioned earlier, the, pe- the pandemic has really accelerated trends that we are seeing that are already underway. Um, it's driving asset owners and asset managers also to reexamine their approaches to managing ESG risks, res- recognizing that systemic events like the pandemic can have an effect, um, you know, c- can have impacts that maybe existing risk mar- models are not well suited to identify or address. Um, and when you think about this in the context of, of, of climate change, you know, the pandemic is underscoring how societal and environmental risks, um, such as the impacts of climate change, might, might impact capital allocation decisions. So this is certainly the case with climate change, which is, which is um, uh, uh, we identify as a material systemic risks. Um, climate change is an exogenous issue where different scenarios and strategies should be considered um, similar to any other macro level factors, such as fluctuations in interest rates. Um, you know, companies or board directors are thinking about different scenarios uh, from an, and, and should be integrating this into their long-term thinking. So we're seeing that the biggest challenge that we find that boards are still responding really tactically to the issues of climate change rather than strategically. Investors are viewing this issue um, as it needs to be addressed in a long-term strategic matter where boards often see climate change as an operational risk that needs to be mitigated against. Um, so, we're, we're, we want the we want boards to to start more deeply considering climate change as a systemic risk and thinking about the issue more strategically. Um, and we're, we're we're hoping that you know this this thinking develops uh, in the next five years, especially now that the the pandemic has highlighted that societal risks um, you know can be very systemic in nature um, and impact uh, the business the business very materially. I talked to a lot of operational people. And they uh, have changed their thinking from sort of disaster recovery to business continuity to business as usual. Um, does that type of thinking work on the board as well? Can the board pivot to um, we have a new set of risks that we hadn't considered and we have to have the flexibility to not only assess but then manage those risks going forward, even if we don't know what they are today? Yeah, I think I think the board should start with a discussion on what are, you know, ha- determine what are the financially material risks, not only from a, you know, from a financial traditional financial perspective, but also thinking about ESG issues. Um, we think the SASB, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board framework um, provides a good outline, a, a floor or a starting point for companies to start thinking or what are the material risks that are affecting my business. But 
Um, that's, that's on an industry level. You know, you think about, um, for example, um, water issue issues related to, to access to water might not be as important for a financial institution as it is for a mining company. Um, so we think that the SASB framework does a good job of, of telling boards, here's the starting point. Here's some things that you need to consider. Um, but boards should also be thinking more deeply. What are the company-specific um, issues, not only affecting us now, but also in the future, um, and start disclosing to investors, here are um, the, the material risks that face us uh, in the long term, and start having um, oversight mechanisms in order to ensure that 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 these risks are being integrated into their long-term thinking and strategy planning. Ben, um, I'd like to now turn to supply chain resiliency because uh, it was sort of my understanding maybe a year ago that this was really seen more as a tactical issue. And it has raised its head, uh, certainly uh, in the pandemic, as a much more um, bigger, larger, higher risk. Are the are the boards now engage in these sorts of discussions as well, or are you counseling boards to do so? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it's not just looked at it as a, a as a risk that needs to be mitigated against, um, but it also, you know, some some companies we've seen have been weaponizing their supply chain, using it as at a competitive advantage. Um, that's that's a trend that we've seen over the over the years. Um, but but carrying on this theme that the crisis has accelerated trends that we saw underway, um, it's clear that that COVID nineteen has accelerated the needs for companies to embrace digital transformation and supply chain and optimization. So the productive shortage, the production shortages that we saw across the globe have really revealed the fragility um, uh, um, of many companies' centralized production and supply chain systems. Companies are now um, really reconsidering the benefits of their existing systems, and we believe that companies uh, may need to uh, reevaluate the supply their supply chains more generally um, in hopes to achieve more resilience and ensure long-lasting recovery from the pandemic, companies sh- should consider implementing more diverse sourcing, um, digitization, and robust supply chain risk management processes, and thinking about how we can use um, our supply chain as a competitive advantage that's not only resilient, but also place us is, is well-suited to um, make sure that we're having um, you know, a, a more sustainable um, supply chain. And unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted uh, to either reference the proxy season review or find out more information, where could they go? Yeah, so listeners um, can access our asset stewardship page on our website at uh, ssga.com. And not only they're going to be able to find, uh, you know, the proxy season review, um, the climate report, which I which I mentioned, but they're also going to see um, our thought leadership around many of these important issues and our guidance to boards. They're also going to see our voting guidelines and how we hold directors accountable um, for thinking about these issues as well. And if I can just give a shameless plug for this resource that Ben just articulated, there is great thought leadership on that site. And uh, it's not simply, and, and one of the reasons I love talking to you guys is you really are thought leaders in this field, but it uh, it helps companies uh, as well think through these issues by you guys putting out this information. So I wanted to just thank you again for that, Ben. Wonderful. I really appreciate your time and, and, and the invitation to, to join you today. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Across the Board. This is our final episode of Across the Board in 2020. I want to wish you a happy holidays and a very safe and joyous new year. I hope you'll join us again in 2021, where Across the Board will take up a wide variety of corporate governance, risk management, and board of directors issues. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.